0: Welcome. This is the latest IRF podcast in which myself, Edward Blad is delighted to be joined by Dominic Dantes of Dantes Outlook, who is going to give us his latest market forecast for 2021 and tell us how he generates his views. IRF is a company I set up almost five years ago, specialising in promoting high quality and differentiated independent research firms and specialising in introducing them to professional investors. We represent providers across the board ranging from global macro to fundamental equity researchers and everything in between. We believe we have a research provider to meet the most demanding of requirements. We're a team of 15 at IRF today and are speaking to funds all across the world. Dominic has spent over 10 years analysing markets, most recently through his own independent research firm, Dante's Outlook, which he launched in 2016. Having previously had wide-ranging experience on the buy side at Fidelity, on the sales side of Saxo Bank and at another independent research firm Forecast. He provides investors with market forecasts, timing, risk management, and training services. Dominic, a very, very warm welcome to you.
1: Thank you, Edward. It's a pleasure being here.
0: So let's kick off with what 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 should investors look out for in 2021? What are your what are your favorite trades?
1: Yeah, thank you. So I think 2021 will be still risk on, right? I think we're getting some excess in the markets, especially in terms of valuation and, and just a stretch performance technically. However, we, we think that any pullback pull or correction on the charts will be a buying opportunity. And within that buying opportunity, I think there'll be a broadening out of in terms of risk exposure. So we're seeing a lot of opportunities in the commodity space. Uh, we're seeing industrial metals that have rallied really strongly last year, like gold and silver but also the outperformance within agriculture. So the softs like soybeans, wheat, corn, and even cotton, we think that they're still in the early phases of relative outperformance. And within that, we're seeing the implications on a global scale um, leading onto emerging market equities, particularly LATEM, because of the export oriented regions around um, agriculture. So we're seeing a lot of opportunities there within FX and equities. Um, We're seeing a rotation from out of the U.S. into international non-U.S. equities, which we think is still in its early phase. And then within the equity spectrum, growth over value has always been sort of the arbitrage trade. But we're thinking in terms of the early cycle dynamics here, small caps um, would tend to show relative outperformance. So the broadening rally within a pullback or correction will be a buying opportunity.
0: Interesting. If we were to look at the uh, the S&P level um, at the end of this year, do you, do you see that being up or down from today's level?
1: From today's level, I think we're going to see a little bit of weakness, which we've seen in the past week or so. So, like I said, you know, things have been excess um, in terms of buying. Um, but I think we'll, the breakout still holds. So I think we're going to get a little bit of a pullback here, especially with VIX being elevated above like 11 for most of 2020. So I think, you know, that rally of, of the past year or so has been unloved. Um, and has sort of still pushed investors to to be a little bit fearful of it. So any correction, I think, will be a buying opportunity, and the bias is more towards the upside.
0: Interesting. And how about if we look at Europe? Do 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 your models take into account and look at the European equity markets?
1: Yeah, we do. Um, so Europe, I think, has been you know following some of those growth dynamics, which has been pretty good. You know, you've seen some ex- excessive strength in the euro dollar, which I think has been weighing on some of the exports. Um, especially out of Germany. Um, However, it's still been a little bit weak given the pandemic. So I think, you know, Europe now could be a nice value opportunity relative to the U.S. And within Europe, you're still seeing some underperformers like the U.K. So we like U.K. equities relative to the broader, you know, MSCI Europe. Um, And then relative to the U.S., I think it offers some attractive opportunities this year as a catch-up trade.
0: And if we go to uh, across the other side of the world to to China, which is obviously on fire, their equity market at the moment, do you think that this is set to continue?
1: Yes. So we think China, you know, ever since uh, maybe 2012 has been really good. I think you had a huge run up in the Shanghai composite. We came back a little bit over, you know, the long term. And I still think China has some relative outperformance. You know, it's kind of a a long, um, long term trade. Um, and we're seeing the pickup in Hong Kong equities, which has been pretty good. Taiwan and a lot of those Asia exports that have been transitioned out of the U.S. have been catching up some of those that market share. And I think the outlook there is very constructive, especially over the long term.
0: And do you look at specific sectors within the Chinese uh, equity market? Do you, do you cover the Chinese uh, Internet companies, for example?
1: We do a little bit, um, and I think that's what's been driving the market. Um, so you do see a lot of those, you know, growth-oriented, especially consumer discretionary. And if you look at the breakdown of the MSCI, you know, indices, China has, you know, a large, large share of that universe. And within that, consumer discretionary has been really the driving force. So a lot of these um, stocks that that cater to that that growth dynamic have been outperforming. You've seen a lot of the EV makers, especially too, has been outperforming as well within China. And I think that that story of benefiting the consumer is also raising the valuations of the stocks. And we think that'll continue. Great,
0: and so if you had to be investing in three countries this year in the equity markets, if you had to be long three countries and short three countries, do you have a preferred three and a, and a least preferred three in that front?
1: Yeah, no, country specific, not too much, but I think regional, You know, earlier, like I said, LATEM, I think offers a lot of potential. Um, UK equities relative, of course, offers some potential there and I still would stick with the Asia. So Hong Kong, China, I think, um, offer some good opportunities, all in terms of relative to the US, of course.
0: Right. Okay. Excellent. And what are you, and your favorite commodity markets? You mentioned just some of the base metals and the continued strong performance of, of the precious metals. I know that you have a keen interest in cryptocurrencies. so it'd be good to hear your, you know, your top level insights or high level insights on, on those assets
1: sure. Uh, so within the base metals, yeah, we do like silver relative to gold. I think silver has that industrial component to it, um, more so than gold, because gold can be the safe haven. So if we're in a risk-on environment, growth-oriented, where it's benefiting emerging markets, we do like silver relative to gold. We're also seeing some opportunities in platinum. We saw an earlier breakout that looks very constructive. And the soft commodities, um, cotton, corn, soybean, wheat, Early phases of of really extreme um, upside potential, so we 're positioned there um, and within cryptocurrencies, I think you said it 's very interesting that you 're seeing a lot of these um, developments in the commodity space weighing on the dollar right or or vice versa. So we think that that pullback in the dollar has been helping a lot of the speculative frenzy that we've been seeing, of course, helped by the Fed and other central banks. And we think that will continue if you don't see inflation or any type of sustained growth pickup. So the speculative fervor, um, if you will, has been benefiting those asset classes like crypto. Um, within crypto, as we talked about, Edward, we've seen a rotation out of Bitcoin. So the large market cap players, I think, is going to lead to that broader participation with like Ethereum, Litecoin, Link. So this whole theme, you know, overall within the speculative frenzy heading into 2021 has just been a broadening out of this speculative uh, trade, which has been very risk-on.
0: Interesting. And how about just a, f- a few of your your trades in 2020? A few of your most successful trades in 2020, and then how about just a couple that that didn't go quite as well?
1: Yeah, for sure. So 2020, we were positioned for a risk-on move around March. So we did see some extremes that happened we saw it very similar to 2008 but more acute so when you have these types of um, washouts if you will it creates a very good buying opportunity if conditions are still pretty normal so we headed into 2020 without any type of real risk um, in terms of the global economy so we were positioned accordingly so we saw extremes within copper to gold ratio bonds versus equities so we like that so our good positions were equities going along around march april We went long the precious metals, silver, gold, which helped a lot. Um, And some of our patch rates was holding on to energy. So we were looking for that value pickup in energy shares um, and they have been underperforming for most of 2020. So that was kind of a loser, but well compensated um, or offset with the uh, gold, silver and equities trade. And we were also positioned in China.
0: Okay, nice, well done. How does your analysis, uh, would you say, differentiate from your peers?
1: Yeah, so we tend to stray away from like the long-term research or being more of a pundit or analyst and more focused on the trade setups, Um, whether they are intermediate term to long-term. I do come from an asset allocation background, so I'm able to take my views from the trading desk, following the markets day-to-day, and really look at the longer-term picture and how that affects relative outperformance. So it's all about the setup. So I'm not, you know, looking at sort of making a blanket statement. I'm actually looking at how it fits into a portfolio. What are the risk considerations? How do you balance that with the existing asset classes that a portfolio manager is holding? And then also, what's your exit criteria? What are the things that will sort of um, allow you to shift your your weightings to, to be ahead of market moves? And I think you only get that real color from being at the trading desk, but also having that asset allocation longer term view. So I think that's what differentiates Dante's outlook. Excellent. Can
0: you talk us through the the, you could, the team at Dante's? You've hired someone recently, haven't you, to help you with a certain part of the business?
1: Yes. So we've been adding more um more trade-focused folks. Uh, so Cedric hails from Trinidad and he's joined our team to uh help us with the commodities So on the trading front from Alpha Capture systems. So we've been doing really well within Q4, one of the top 10 performers on, on that. And then slowly, we're heading back into the equities portion. So stock-specific research with the technical overlay. And I think that's been really well. So we're looking for the more of those market-oriented analysts. And, and they've been helping us and helping our clients outperform.
0: Yeah, well, you've certainly done a good job for, for us um, on the Alpha Catcher platform. So well done on that front. It's a very good way of tracking your, your recommendations each quarter. Have you got any particular mentors in the, in the research space who you've um, held in the highest regard that have taught you a lot of what, what you're doing today?
1: Yes. Yeah, so, you know, from the technical front, there's been, you know, a lot uh, like Katie Stockton has, you know, she I think has enabled me to to get the CMT designation, which has been great when I was at Fidelity. And now um, I found a great mentor in, in Lev Borodovsky, who's the editor of the Daily Shot newsletter, it used to be published on the Wall Street Journal, and then now he took it independent. He has a breadth of experience. He's a risk manager by trade. Um, a PhD, and we just talk a lot about what's going on around the world and the macro conditions and, and what it means for risk because a lot of our um, subscribers to The Daily Shot are managers who you know, focus on these broad portfolios and they, they seek out some excellent insight from from Lev. And He's been a great, great mentor, helping me keep the bigger picture in mind, which I think helps Dante's outlook greatly.
0: Well, that's excellent. Thank you so much for your time today. We'd love to catch up with you in say six months time to see how your trades are performing, check in with you and do this on a regular basis. So thank you, Dominique. It's been a a very interesting uh, 15 minutes.
1: Thanks so much, Edward. I appreciate it. Have a good one.